This is the TJ Show. Jaybo, our producer Heather sent me a video. Mm-hmm. It's a woman walking around a grocery store, and it appears she's wearing shoes. But then she lifts her foot up, and the soles are cut out of the bottom of I the shoe. I know exactly the video you're talking about. Have you seen this? I have seen it pull up on my Insta feed, yes. So this is circling around the internet and back, and apparently these are shoe collectors. Mm-hmm. So they're cutting up nice shoes. So they call themselves that. Because any shoe collector in their right mind would not be cutting up their shoes. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're maybe shoe killers. Right? Yeah, exactly. And I start scrolling through more of their videos, and it turns out this is a family that's very passionate about living life barefoot. It's really weird. Like, these people are just walking around the streets barefoot. Mm. And they're using their feet to, like, open doors, like public doors to places that everybody uses or to hit the buttons when you have to cross the street to change mm-hmm. the light. Yeah. They're using their feet to do it, well, which I, is totally unnecessary, well, by I, the way. I admire their willingness to want to use their foot for more. You know? Yeah, but not in a public Keep place. Keep that in your house, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's Thank things you. that I do at home that I don't do out in the streets. Well, I'm somewhat familiar with this because my friend Phil is a runner. And years ago, he was trying to convince all of us to take our shoes off and just walk around in life <laughs> with bare feet. We're like, Phil, chill out. Like, we're not, we're not going to do that. Yeah. But he would go around the woods, and he started barefoot. But then he realized that was too much for his runs. So then he got these shoes where the sole was like the shape of your foot. And so he has little spots for all of his toes. I've seen those shoes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like you're not wearing shoes, kind of, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, you're wearing yeah, but, shoes, but you're not. I feel like yeah, you're not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's like rubber. See, I, I could see how this barefoot thing would work like 2,000 years ago when people weren't throwing glass bottles on the street. Right? Mm-hmm. People had more respect for your hiking trails. I don't know. I just feel like there's too much risk. You step on a screw. Great. Now you got to spend the night in the emergency now room. you need a tetanus shot. Right. But if you do a search for why people walk around barefooted, it's a very compelling list of reasons. You want to hear some of these, Jay? Go ahead. Try to convince me. You may start cutting the soles at a, some of your 130 No, I bet you $100 I won't be doing that. <laughs> uh, number one on the list, it, apparently they claim it reduces stress to not have shoes on. Okay. It I contributes. mean, they're like little prisons for your feet. You know what I mean? Uh, well, yeah, that's yeah. true. Stylish prisons. <laughs> they claim it leads to better sleep. It leads to reduced inflammation in your joints, improved body balance. They're even claiming, this is according to Barefoot Training Central, that it improves your eyesight. I mean, I, how does how? that connect? Come on, man. How? Listen, some of these things, I wish I could do barefoot because that would improve my life tremendously. I know. But that's, that sounds insane. It claims it will give you a healthier heart. It's a free foot massage just from walking around all day. That I could buy, yeah, for sure. Improved posture. Stronger feet. Yeah, that's true. That you know, I have yeah. heard is true, yeah. There's an Amish farm that I go to, mm. and these farmers, they walk around barefoot all over the place, and this guy's foot, I've never seen anything like it. I want to interview him about his foot. I'm going to do that at some point. They're probably so strong. In the summer. Feet. Yeah, I'm going to ask him about that. Apparently, it makes you happier to not be wearing shoes. Burns body fat, reduces calluses, improve foot flexibility. Do I have to keep going on? No, the last thing on the list, better overall health. It's like, what a sales pitch. But I have my physical therapist is telling me not to walk around barefoot because you can get plantar fasciitis, which I have gotten before mm. because I've walked around barefoot. Unbelievable. Now, apparently camera guy Josh has done this. Wait, can you tell me your experience? Mm-hmm. Well, there was one time where I was on a field and I was just barefoot and I decided... Let's go for it. And so I just started sprinting out of nowhere. And I've got to say, I felt like I could just sprint forever. It's amazing what the weight of shoes could do to a person. That's when it all started for me. So do you still do this? 
well, no. <laughs> Wait, so, okay. So right there, why not? If it's so great, why don't you do it? That's a great question. I guess it just never stuck, and I'm scared that I'll step on a rock while I'm sprinting, and that would nail. be no good. Yeah, nail would be no good either. It's Josh the risk me. of other people's negligence and right. people, you know, throwing nails around. Mm-hmm. Right. That is preventing most of us from walking around barefoot. Because if I knew for sure that my foot wouldn't get cut mm-hmm. or I would survive stepping on something rusty, then I, I think I would be more likely to try this because the, the evidence here is so good. If I lived on a farm and it was just me and no one else was there to trash it up, and I didn't have wild animals boo-booing on my grass, mm-hmm. then maybe I'll walk around barefoot. But what about ticks? Maybe. Bugs. See, it's a problem. There's treatment for that. Yeah, I know, but... <laughs> I mean, I have I wear shoes now, and there's still ticks. I can still have a tick latch onto me. Okay, I have a proposal for everyone in this room, please. I say no. No, no. Would you be willing, for the rest of the show, to take your shoes off and just see what it feels like? No. No, keep your socks on. Who's ready to join me? Yeah. No. For sure. Josh, okay. All Let's do it. People, Wait, get the <laughs> funk in this room. I'm taking Ain't my no socks way. off. Oh my gosh, hey, no. I took a shower and my socks are clean. No. Don't say that. Uh-uh. Um, okay, so Heather's with me. Josh is with me. Yep. Kenny, are you with me? Sure. Okay. So Good for you guys. It's just J-Bo. Well, you you take your shoes very seriously. And if, yeah. If you found out you didn't need to wear shoes, that would be devastating for your life because you have 130 pairs yeah, of Yeah, what them. am I going to do with them? Right. Okay. So then, fine. The four of us will report back by the end of the show and we'll tell uh, you how the experience was. And if you don't hear from me, it's because I passed out from the funk. Yeah. And let's see who can last the longest. I just Googled your hands are way more likely to have harmful bacteria than your feet. So I say we do away with no shoes, no shirt, no service. Yeah, I think it's because the shoes are on. Right. <laughs> but I'm thinking... He wouldn't make a great yeah, scientist. Yeah, right. Not no. at all. Like we your gotta, hands, yeah, because they're exposed to everything. We have to adopt the philosopher Kenny Chesney's policy. No shoes, no shirt, no problem. Here we go. Let's take our shoes off. There's also, there's a headline I read today. Cocaine hippos taking over in Colombia. One of the most fascinating stories, Pablo Escobar, he was a a drug lord Mm -hmm. many years ago. A lot of movies have been made about him, TV shows inspired by him. Uh, There are reports that he made $30 billion at the time in the 80s off of cocaine and drugs. And that would be worth like somewhere around 70 plus billion today. He, at one point in the 80s, brought four hippos into Colombia. It was a part of his private zoo. When he passed, the hippos seemingly were just let loose in Colombia. What do you do with hippos? You know, it's very inconvenient when you find yourself with hippos and you don't want them anymore. Yeah, And they're an an invasive species to Colombia. That's uh, putting it lightly. They Mm -hmm. start mating. And now today, there are 170 hippopotami, which I didn't know was the plural of... Oh, okay. I always thought the plural of hippopotamus was hippopotamuses. <laughs> or hippos. Because of that song. Right, right. <laughs> hungry, hungry hippos. Hippos, yeah. No, 170 hippopotami. There are now these sightings, and if you Google this, you're going to see videos of hippos just walking through the streets like it's a squirrel. I mean, this is unbelievable. I didn't think an animal that big could become invasive and then start to take over. And they're trying to keep up with it. They've sterilized 40 hippos. Okay. Which sounds like a small number, but it's not like finding 100 mice and then, you know, you get an exterminator. That's true. Think about what it takes to get a hold of a hippo. They've captured 70 hippos and they've transported them to India and Mexico. Now, who wants them there? They didn't ask 
that. <laughs> they're just getting rid of the hippos. They're probably more native to that land, I'm assuming. They've got a big problem, Jibo, because this population is expected to explode and reach 1,000 hippos by 2035. Now, I thought when I was a kid growing up, I thought hippos were endangered. Are they still endangered at this point? Or are they like back in the we're living life club? I didn't know they were endangered. It's an interesting. I mean, I love hippos. They are the most dangerous animal because they could do the most damage, right? That's so what I've heard. It's they not, can be aggressive. It's not a good animal to have on the loose. There's also more to this story. And listen to this quote from this teacher. I think this is hilarious. Students and parents were at a school and they saw one of these cocaine hippos start just running onto the schoolyard. Mm-mm. The teacher was quoted saying, the mothers get scared when they see an animal of that size. Now, dude, you could just admit that you're afraid too, okay? Right. The mothers, you the children, to... the fathers, the aunts, <laughs> the uncles, the cousins. Every person who's alive is afraid right. of a hippo coming onto a schoolyard. I have seen videos of people minding their business, fishing in a boat. Obviously, this is like overseas in a different continent and country. And a hippo just comes out of the water, grabs them off their boat and eats them. You saw that in a video? Yes. Okay, don't send that video to me. I don't plan I don't on it. See I don't want to see that. Yeah. I've seen really cute videos at zoos where trainers give hippos pumpkins and they can eat the whole pumpkin in one bite. <laughs> They're not I, cute. If they would all just act that way, it would be accepted. Yeah. Right. But it, that's not, I mean, I would love to have a hippo horse where it's just a hippo, but you treat it like a horse mm-hmm. and you can ride it around <laughs> town. <laughs> That'd be awesome. It's just not the way, they don't want to play ball like that. No. No. They're mad. They're cocaine hippos. Of course they're mad. <laughs> so just beware if you're vacationing there or- you In Columbia. You ever get the yeah. idea like, I want a hippo zoo? Don't do it. This is a warning. This is the TJ Show. This is the TJ Show. Had a little disagreement with my wife, Jess, the other day. Mm. We've been wanting to do these family movie nights. And so we all pick a movie, we sit down, we watch it. And I have kids, they're all under nine. That sounds like fun. And I suggested, well, let's watch one of my favorite movies, Jurassic Park. Nope. I'm talking about the first one. Uh uh-uh. uh. And my wife said, no, Willa and Noah are too small because they're four and five. That's a smart woman right there. And I said, first of all, I know Willa can handle it. Four year old Noah, I think she could handle it too. She's very smart. And no. what? It's, we explained it along the way. So we took this to ChatGPT. This is the artificial intelligence software. You ask it a question. It takes all of the information it can find on the planet and then generates an answer. I am always impressed with ChatGPT's answers. So I asked it, I want to show this to my four-year-old. My wife thinks she's too young. What do you think we should do? Deciding whether or not to show a four-year-old the original Jurassic Park movie can depend on various factors. <laughs> the Jurassic. Jurassic. <laughs> I hope we're both talking about the same movie, but I think we are. Including your daughter's maturity level, sensitivity to suspense or frightening scenes, and ability to distinguish between fantasy and reality. Here are a few considerations to help you make a decision. Okay, you ready for this? I'm ready. Jurassic Park contains scenes involving dinosaurs attacking humans. Consider whether your daughter is sensitive to such content and how she might react to it. Now, don't you think I could explain to a four-year-old there are no dinosaurs on the planet? Unless you consider an alligator a dinosaur, but there are none where we live. Well, she's going to have nightmares. Yeah, I guess that's true. And not yet. But Maybe no. they will be. Maybe Jurassic Park becomes real life. Well, I guess it could. Some scenes may be too intense, such as the T-Rex attack or the Velociraptor kitchen scene. 
Oh, I forgot about the kitchen scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's one of my favorite scenes of all time. How did oh. I forget about that? Yeah, that is kind of scary because it's kids running away from the dinosaurs. Well, and the, the velociraptor kind of like jump scares right out through that fence uh-huh. and like nearly attacks that blonde woman. Oh, yeah. If you decide to watch the movie with your daughter, be prepared to provide guidance and reassurance during intense scenes. You can pause the movie if she becomes scared or explain that it's all make-believe. Yeah, see, that's what I said. So you're going to take a two-hour movie and make it a four-hour movie? (laughs) Well, that sounds like torture. Yeah. Consider introducing her to other dinosaur-themed movies or TV shows that are more age-appropriate, ultimately. (laughs) That sounds boring. (laughs) What, dinosaur cartoons? TJ, I remember watching Jurassic Park, the first one, uh-huh. and there's a scene where the dude's on the toilet and he gets eaten up. Don't ruin it Til- for everyone who hasn't seen it. Really? You just talked about how there was a jump scene in the kitchen. Yeah, well, that's... You uh, did the same thing. I remember being a kid and watching that and thinking that dinosaurs were going to come get me when I sit on the toilet. To this day! Well, can you be a testimony that it didn't happen the way you thought it would for Noah? It's not for Noah. It's uh, not for her. All right. The decision rests with you and your wife mm. based on your knowledge of your daughter's temperament. Oh, all right, fine. Well, if we let's say we find a babysitter for Noah, I know for sure that my five-year-old, who acts like a dinosaur, can handle this. And so I asked ChatGPT that same question. Because she acts like a dinosaur, could she handle this? If your five-year-old daughter already has a fascination with dinosaurs and enjoys pretending to be one, she may be better equipped to handle the content of Juriassic Park compared to a child who is not as interested in or familiar with dinosaurs. Okay. However... You should still consider the factors we discussed earlier. Wow. Well, I don't. It's such a political answer. It's now right back where we started. I have to talk to my wife about it. It's not a political answer. It's the movie's rated PG thirteen. So if you want to go off of that and go off of your wife's advice, just don't show it to your younger two daughters. All right, fine. Maybe I'm not going to show them. Juriassic Park. I'm not going to show them Juriassic Park. (laughs) Fine. Decide. Thank you, ChatGPT. There are certain stories that we all remember from our childhood, and they have just been burned into our brain. And I would almost argue some of this stuff still affects us today. Uh Uh-huh. Jabo, you brought something up to me. Actually, you've you've brought this up multiple times Mm -hmm. over the time that I've known you. There was a friend of your mom's that would come over your house, and she promised you something and then broke a promise. Yeah, she promised me a black leather jacket. She was wearing one. Oh, she would come over all the time wearing it and looked so good in it. Uh-huh. And I was like, I like your jacket. Every time it was a compliment. I like your jacket. And finally, she's like, I'll get you one. Did I ever get one? No. No. Yeah. See, and then that's bothered you for no. How old were you when that happened? I don't know, like 10. So a lot of years. A mm-hmm. lot of years you've yeah. been bothered by this. And it's been a minute. You finally realize, does your mom even remember this? Like, this was such a traumatic memory for you. Yeah. I sent her a Marco Polo, which is like a video chatting app, so... Yeah, I've noticed a couple of times there have been things that my brother and I will talk about and joke about. My parents will look at us like, what? What do you mean? It's so weird. I don't remember that at all. Hey, Mom. Growing up, you had this friend. She always wore this black leather jacket. Do you remember her name? Okay, now here's Jabo's mom's response. No, I don't remember who you're talking about. Doesn't even remember her friend. Mm-mm. The first apartment we had, Green Tree, the one behind Kmart. I don't think I ever had friends come over there. The friend with a leather jacket. I don't remember. Here this has been haunting you for <laughs> decades. But what's so wild is that she remembers the apartment building we lived in. The fact that it was behind a Kmart. She remembers those details. Right, but not the trauma. Right. I was a little kid, man. But she, I told her, I like your leather jacket. And she told me, I'm going to buy you one. 
And every time she would come over, I would say, did you get my leather jacket? And I asked her so many times. And every time she would say no, that one day, you told me to stop asking her about the leather jacket. Oh, so she lectured you about it. She did. She's like, stop doing that. And I was fuming inside. Does that ring a bell? Do you remember that woman now? No. Did you ever buy yourself a leather jacket? Yeah, it's a great question. <laughs> I've asked She's Jabo. Like, I don't care. Yeah, I mean, at some point, you got to just fix the problem. <laughs> buy yourself the leather jacket. No, to this day, I've only owned pleather jackets. I've never bought myself a leather, legit, genuine jacket. I will though. I'm gonna save up. I'm gonna buy it. I can't believe you don't remember that woman's name. Yeah, this is it. I mean, this yep. stuff affects us in a big way, and Jabo is uh, <sighs> preserving one more cow still. I am. You know, and I guess that cow's some would, thankful for me. Some would say that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it has negatively affected you? Like, I know we're joking about it, but do you think that <laughs> something has? truly hurt you there and is there like a lack of trust maybe today that still manifests because of that um the way i could answer that question is that if i tell my nieces and nephews i'm going to do something i will trip over myself to get it done yeah because you knew the feeling that you had yeah now have you ever talked over that story with a therapist (laughs) uh i had a feeling you were gonna throw that in there somewhere Uh, i'm sure i need to i'm sure it'll be helpful for me I always love when an organization takes the time to survey thousands of people. They work so hard to get this information, and then we just get to read the information. Mm-hmm. According to the American Psychiatric Association's Healthy Minds Poll, apparently they do this monthly. This is the first I'm ever hearing about this. They say that one in three U.S. adults claim they feel lonely at least once a week, and one in 10 Americans say they feel lonely every day. Do you know anyone in your life who's lonely? Mm-hmm. What do you do about it? Um, when I find out they're lonely? Yeah. I just try to encourage them. You make extra effort, though? To, like, reach out and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. It's easy to think that doesn't do anything, but I don't know how it can't do something. Like, it's got to make a difference. There's somebody I know who is very lonely, and they would never say that. Yeah. But you just you kind of look at the fruit of their life, and you realize they're, not, they're never going out. Mm-hmm. I've invited them out. They don't want to go out. My, my heart breaks for those situations, yeah. but I do think what you're doing is very important. We have to reach out. Sometimes if I see a quote, I will save it on my phone. I'll snapshot it or something. Mm-hmm. And when I'm thinking about that person who might be lonely in my life, I'll find some way to make it relevant. Like, hey, I saw this, you yeah, know. thinking of you or whatever. Th- I thought you might write. And I, yeah. I don't know what it does. Maybe we're not responsible for the outcome. I don't think you are. I think we're only responsible for... The effort and trying to connect, how the person decides to take that on is on them. Right. The poll also revealed that younger people are more likely to experience loneliness, which is something we keep hearing mm. popping up all the time, which is sort of the opposite of what, when I think about my childhood, I didn't have a ton of friends, but we would always be hanging out like outside and running around playing manhunt or whatever yeah, it was. But now hanging out is like hanging out on your phone. Yeah, exactly. You know? And uh, they define loneliness, by the way, as a lack of meaningful or close relationships or a sense of belonging. Listen to this stat. About 30% of respondents ages 18 to 34 said they feel lonely every day or several times a week. 30%. That's a lot. About 50% of respondents ease their loneliness with distractions like television, podcasts, or social media. Well, you know, 
our podcast if you want something to feel a little less right. lonely, thetjshow.com. But uh, if if that's something that is being leaned on all the time, I think that's a great sign right. to wonder, like, is there someone who uh, we can find to be friends with? Like, if you listen to this show enough in your podcast, we'll convince you to find friends. And sometimes you're... If you are dealing with the loneliness, if you're that person, you hear all this and you're like, oh, that's me. You have to like force yourself to hang out with somebody. And that's uncomfortable. But take it from me. Once you do, you you get back home and you just feel a lot more energized. Well, I think you've been there personally, right? You've told me you've been through phases of life. Mm-hmm. I feel lonely now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and your husband, Archie, is living, you know, so many miles away. Right. He's active in the U.S. military. So I understand that. Mm-hmm. And what helps you? When you're feeling lonely. Well, I literally had to, I had a friend that kept texting me like, hey, we need to connect. And I was like, all right. But I didn't, I didn't really feel like connecting with anyone, you know? And so I just finally just set up a time to connect with her this week. You, so, you, so you have to force yourself. You force yourself. Yeah, because I'm okay with being by myself too. But yeah. I also like people. So I, I'm both, you know? Do you find that when you force yourself and you go and you hang out, on the other side of it, you're always happy you did it? Oh, yeah. Always. Always. Yeah. So that's, that's a pretty good stat. 100% of the time. Always happy. Always. But leading happy. up to it, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> yeah. No, and thank you for sharing that. Yeah, because I, I think sometimes we do just have to force ourselves into community. Yeah. It's a part of the human experience that helps us thrive. And um, there's, there's just a lot of fascinating little stats that came out of that study. So sharing that today, that is from the American Psychiatric Association's Healthy Minds Poll. Something to think about. We were reading a study that was pointing out all the health benefits of just taking our shoes off and walking around barefoot. And so, I don't know, I'm too afraid to do that in real life, like outside on the street, because I just think my foot's going to get hurt or I'm going to step on something. And you're a germaphobe. Health benefits, though, are just so compelling. I said, well, why don't we just try it here in the studio? So for about an hour, all of us, except for J-Bo, mm-hmm. has had our shoes off. How do you guys feel? No difference, right? Yeah. Told you. No, wait. Let's go Kenny first. Well, I feel good. My feet are a little cold. Mm -hmm. I'm happy that I get to show off my socks. I often wear fun colored socks. Oh, yeah. Look at that. You have every color on there. It's like a rainbow sock. Producer Heather, how are you doing after almost a full hour? I have my thoughts, and I'm actually quite surprised by the results. I feel great. I feel like really connected to the earth and I feel like I can move better. It feels good. On the office carpet? Yeah. yeah. What about you, camera guy, Josh? How are you doing with your shoes off? Yeah, this is amazing. I feel at home. Yeah. I feel like I'm just relaxing even though I'm at work. I, I'm just lounging. So you're I, slacking is what you're saying. That's great. No, I'm relaxing. You know what's interesting? You bring that up. You feel like you're at home. I actually feel like I'm more relaxed than when I'm at home. <laughs> I always keep my shoes on at home and I usually just have my feet wrapped up all day long and I do feel like there's this comfort and I'm like there's a freedom that I don't normally have especially at the workplace are we missing out on something you know I was reading that that survey before talking about all these different benefits of not wearing shoes well because you're still wearing your shoes aren't you yeah and I feel all the same feelings you guys feel relaxed I feel all grounded to the earth, like all that good stuff. Well, listen, that's a skill you have. You have a different layer of positivity <laughs> and maybe a, a lesser level of some of the things that we struggle with here, J-Bo. But uh, maybe we need our shoes off. You can keep your shoes off. Yeah. Is it offensive to you? This is a good question for the one who kept her shoes on. 
Are you offended by it? I mean, it's funky in here. Does it really smell? Be honest. Stink. Are you joking and trying to make us feel bad? It was when you guys first took your shoes off. But now it's okay? I think my nose, not my <laughs> hairs in my nostril just burned off. So it's like, you can't even tell anymore. Your nose has finally said enough is enough. Yeah. We're turning off now. That's right. See, I don't smell anything. And I don't know if that's because I'm, I don't have as strong a scent or maybe my sniffer is not as strong as yours. But this is something that like maybe more workplaces could encourage that their employees, you know, I know a guy who walks around and he'll come over with his bare feet. And it, he walked into my house with his bare feet. And I thought, whoa, I mean, that's, that is forward. But he's very happy and free-flowing. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about bare feet <laughs> in the office. But really, you don't like it? I mean, it, it depends on the foot. I mean, I've seen some pretty funky feet. <laughs> but we all have socks on. Come on. Well, that's what I'm saying. Socked feet, I'm okay with. Okay, so you're okay with... Bare feet, he's not okay with. Are you yeah. afraid of showing your feet off? No, I'm not afraid of my feet, but like I have traumatic memories. I went to Catholic high school. I remember Brother Robert would wear sandals, and you know you just couldn't help but look at Brother Robert's feet because they were so wacky. Be nice to him, please. He was a nice man. Yeah, thank you. I love sure Brother he, Robert. I'm sure he but was. But I didn't appreciate his feet. No, I'm, I'm just glad that we're talking about this because perhaps we'll inspire some workplaces to try it today. You know, here we came across this information, never thought of it, really, I mean, aside from that one example where my friend decided to run around without his shoes one day, never really thought about it. And like, I'm receiving some sort of a relaxed benefit today. So maybe try it at home. If you're a person who wraps up your feet like me, (laughs) just try walking around your house without the shoes on. You have to, because you'll you'll step on a Lego if you don't have any sneakers. Oh, no. It's a protective measure. Oh, absolutely. Need a line of defense. Need to protect myself. This is the TJ Show. I'm putting my shoes back on because I have to go to the bathroom now, and I'm not doing that. Not walking in that Ugh. room. It was a cockroach in there the other day. Oh. I'm not going to step on that by accident. Got to wash my sock. This is the TJ Show. Our news, it sounds a whole lot different around here. Our producer, Kenny, he reads through every story he can find, and then he brings us the most interesting ones. Kenny, what's happening on the planet today? TJ, residents in Lynchburg, Virginia, were confused to say the least when they noticed a creek had turned almost completely white in color. Uh-oh. Yeah. That's not good, Jabo. Odd. How'd that happen? Well, they found out after calling 911, firefighters and other officials reported to the scene, and they determined that the white color was due to waste milk from the nearby Westover Dairy Plant. Oh, you just need, you just need a pack of Oreos to clean that up? <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Did they consult Jabo A couple on packs of the Oreos. Procedure? Yeah. They mm-hmm. should have. I'm an expert on that. <laughs> Dunkin' cookies and milk. <laughs> yeah, apparently there was a clogged drain that led to milk overflowing into a storm drain. And then once the clog was cleared, the overflow stopped. State water resource officials said there's no public health threat from the waste milk. Good. Well, listen, good. everyone's fine. Fish thought it was a little weird. Didn't yeah. know what was going on, but for the most part, we're good. Kenny, what else? The Guardian is reporting about this new study published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. They're proposing that five categories isn't enough to classify hurricanes. They want a new sixth category. What is it? Well, category five storms are the strongest at this point, and they classify storms Essentially, with sustained maximum winds of 157 miles per hour or more, the new Category 6 would classify storms with sustained winds of 192 miles per hour Hmm. 
or more. And apparently there have been five storms in the last decade that were previously classified as Category 5 that would now be categorized as Category 6. Do you remember when Pluto, the planet got out of our galaxy and it stopped being a planet. Yeah. And when that happened... Very and then, controversial outer space talk. Yeah. yeah, right. Then he came back and then he's planning again then he left again. Why won't they just take category one since it's like lower wind numbers and just take it off the scale and then move six into five? You know what? You got to call the science department. I know. I just have questions, you know? They've, they've got a lot on their to-do list. I, I'm days. sure they do. Well, a category one hurricane would have maximum wind speeds of 74 miles per hour or more. Category 3 and above is considered to include major hurricanes that risk severe damage to property and life. Let's just let them figure it out. Yeah, it would be up I'm, to... I, I, it's now gotten to a point of boredom for me. Okay. <laughs> well, it's not official yet. The National Hurricane Center would be the one to yeah. determine that. We, we just haven't mess. heard from them. We yet. want everyone to be safe, and then let's let them just number whatever they want. Make, okay. a, make a 10 if you want. Oh, right. gosh, no. Kenny, what else do you have? We've all heard of zoos that offer you the chance to name a bug after your ex, and then that bug is eventually fed to another animal. Mm-hmm. Here's a new idea coming from a company in England that will allow you to name an old disabled car after your ex before it is scrapped in the scrapyard. What, are they dedicated to the ex? They spray paint the name of the ex on the car before they send it to the crusher. And then you'll receive photographic evidence that your ex was officially scrapped. Dare I say, if you're going through all that to make a statement to your ex, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm on your ex's side. (laughs) Oh, yeah? No, I'm on the person who's getting a car crush. (laughs) You got to let it go. You let it go and you move on. That's a good way to heal, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I guess some would say that. Yeah. Kenny, what else do you have? NASA is announcing the discovery of a new exoplanet, an exoplanet meaning a planet located outside of our solar system. They're calling this one a potential super Earth. It appears to be orbiting within a, quote, habitable zone. Really? So they're thinking there's another place we could live out there? Perhaps. How far away? They say, quote, it's fairly close to us at only 137 light years away. At this point in time, that's going to be a tough one to get to. Oh, by the time we get there, we dead then. Well, like really dead. Yeah, like way, way, way dead. So 137 light years, meaning if you were traveling at the speed of light, it would take you 137 years. Correct. Uh, and we don't know how to travel at the speed of light yet. <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> so, well, we've got things to work on. We could potentially, I guess, get started, and then you'd have to have a baby on the spaceship, uh-huh. right? And then you'd have to train up that kid or kids to know what was coming. And then they'd probably have to do the same thing. It would take like multiple generations to be able to get there. Yeah. I think they have to develop the technology that they use in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. They have these things called jump points where you can go from galaxy to galaxy in yeah. a matter of seconds. So yeah, we have to get cool. to work on that. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I don't know if we'll ever get on another planet. I can't see how it happens, but I know Elon's trying to do it, right? He's he to wants do it to get to Mars. Mars. But yeah, this one has the potential for liquid water. Now, would you trust scientists from 137 light years away saying, <laughs> yeah, sure, you could live there. What if you get there and you can't? Right. Yeah, I guess that's that's a big risk. But, I mean, liquid water, what we have here on Earth, is like the main staple for potential life. Where this planet is positioned to its star, the possibility of liquid water is a real thing. Mm. But, TJ, I'm sure NASA's thinking about all this. They probably have machines that they'll send up there or little robots or whatever to, like, scrape the surface of that planet 
and they'll come back and tell us that we can live there or that we can't. Hey, that'd be really cool. Well, they have this whole program called the Transiting Exoplanet Survey Satellite. That, in conjunction with the Webb Telescope, Jabo, the Webb Telescope is able to determine what kind of elements and materials are on that planet, you know, without actually having to go there. Well, if you trust the Webb so much, go. <laughs> you go first. Okay. Kenny, what else do you have? Well, it appears that Dartmouth University is going to be one of the first schools to begin requiring the SAT or ACT uh, test, standardized test for college admissions for prospective students. They're requiring it? They're requiring it. You may remember back during the pandemic, more than 600 schools abandoned the requirement for students to show their SAT or ACT scores, and still the majority of four-year universities still are test optional for that fact. But Dartmouth says they want to bring it back. They believe in these new studies that found that these test scores predict college performance better than high school grades do. Mm, I'm so glad that they were still using the SAT scores when I was applying for schools because I, I got rejected from most of them. Saved me a lot of money. <laughs> I don't know oh. if tests are the best way to measure if someone knows something or not. Well, Jabo, I can tell you that by the time I got to the end of my SATs, I started getting so bored with filling in all the bubbles. I just started drawing pictures right, with and the you're bubbles. really intelligent. That's what I'm saying. Like, well, the best way to measure. Depends who you ask, I guess, right? <laughs> some would say that was a bad move. There's was, some that it's killing the SATs and... They are dumb as rocks. They're mm. book smart, but that's about it. Yeah, we'll see how this whole thing works out, Jay, yeah. but I still don't know that's if it was fine. a good idea. I already idea. went to college. <laughs> I'm cool. I don't care. Kenny, what else do you have? It appears after Tracy Chapman surprised the world by joining Luke Combs on stage at the Grammys to sing her song, Fast Car, that the song shot up to number one on the iTunes Top Songs chart. That is so cool. Good Here's, for her. Yeah, super old song, right? Yeah, 1988. And to go to number one, and it's like a whole new audience, who probably a lot of them thought the new version yeah, Luke Combs uh -huh. version. is the only version, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It's so fun. Yeah, I mean, she was a complete surprise performance. She wasn't listed on the Grammys list of performers ahead mm. of that. So when she came out on stage, it truly was a surprise. And I'm sure, to your point, the people who only associated that song with Luke Combs were like, oh, yeah, <laughs> here's oh. a here's a, a d different uh, feeling to it. But the origin story. Yeah, he did her right though. I feel like he showed a lot. He showed her a lot of respect, which is awesome. Yeah, I'm a fan of hers. Yeah, this... one reason. <laughs> so, <laughs> that self titled album, which came out in 1988, also went to number one on the iTunes album chart. Now, when it was originally released, the song peaked at number six on the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart. Interestingly enough, she had performed that song on the Grammys back in 1989 when she won Best Female Pop Vocal Performance. So that was her second time wow. performing it so cool. at the Grammys. What a great and story. And of course, the Luke Combs version, which was covered last year, made it to number two on the Hot 100 chart. He was nominated for a Grammy for his performance, but did not win. Kenny, what else do you have? Fortune Magazine published an article saying, the longest, happiest marriages have these six defining traits. Oh, all right, Jabo, mm. let's get ready to compare Here ourselves. Number one is partner knowledge. Partners in successful marriages genuinely know one another. Okay, I could say that. Number two, turning toward one another. We're more likely to stay in their committed relationship. Physically turn towards each other, like what in conversation? In or? conversation, or when something's wrong, oh, you don't okay. turn away; you turn yeah. toward. Hmm. They also included validating language 
words like, I'm hearing that you feel stressed for whatever reason, or that would have hurt my feelings too, is an example of turning toward each other with validating language. Well, it's great communication. Successful couples buy into each other's bids for attention. So you know when your significant other wants your attention. You know what they mean when they say, how was your day at work? You give them a specific Mm. answer, so on and so forth. I have an embarrassing mood for that. What? When it's later at night and I'm going to bed first, (laughs) I'll walk into the living room. (laughs) I mean, I I hate to even admit this, but uh, I just go, all right, Jess, have a great night. Good to see you. And then I leave. And then she shows up in the bedroom shortly after. It's a very short, cold. All right. Great catching oh, up today. Oh, so passive. No, I know, but it always works. She always shows up. I say, I need attention. You, so you just say it? Yes. Good. Yes. I just say it. I like that. I don't have time for games. Clear communication. Yes. Number four, conflict resolutions. Um, couples know how to initiate repair of a conflict rather than simmering or ignoring each yeah, other. Yeah, that's a game changer. Yeah, it is. Uh, Number five, self-knowledge and self-soothing. You need to know yourself if you're going to have a successful relationship with another person. That's one of the greatest things that any of us could discover in your relationship or beyond. It'll change our lives. Yep, it's how you operate, how you think, and what makes you tick. And finally, number six, acceptance of what marriage promises and what it does not. So... Good spouses don't expect their marriages to be harmonious 24-7, 365. That would be nice, though. I'll tell you that. All right. Well, listen, I've got some work to do still, but I'm working on it. Kenny, thank you for keeping us somewhat informed. That's what's happening. 